Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast. We're finally back for another episode. It's good to be here. And of course, if you haven't noticed yet, it's a different voice leading the charge right now. Of course, it's Cole Petum at Villa on Twitter. Our good buddy James Rushton, of course, has uh, moved on to Pastures New, but don't fret too much. We'll get him on in the future as a guest. And of course, we love James's input. So that'll be something we'll uh, try to get on in the future. But of course, I have my other main man here, Danny Raza. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I mean, great, great that you touch on, you know, obviously, James, it won't be the last we've heard from him. And just want to say big, big congratulations to him. Uh, he's got an amazing opportunity now. And yeah, I think he, he deserves it. Done some great things with the Hulk cast. And I'm sure. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the listeners look forward to hearing from him next and seeing uh, how he gets on. But Cole, great to great to be with you now. Um, I'm not Feeling too happy about the way Villa have been playing, but hey, uh, it's the Hulk cast and we're back. It feels like an age since we've talked. Oh, absolutely. And uh, we do apologize for the little delay in getting these podcasts out. The Christmas season, uh, as many people probably know and understand, it's a busy time for most families and you want to spend it with families and friends. And of course, schedules don't always essentially line up but we're back for another one we're gonna preview nor or preview i said review norwich sorry i have a head cold so if i don't make sense today that's why i'm gonna blame it on that um so we're gonna look at the norwich game we're gonna look at the watford game and of course we're gonna do a little preview for the burnley and uh the fulham cup game as well so there's a lot of jam <laughs> jam-packed action in this podcast i'm stumbling with my words danny would you mind taking it away yeah, it's a lot of fixtures. It's a lot of fixtures. January is going to be crazy for Villa. Uh, and obviously, as you say, it's just, yeah, it's just very, very jam packed. Uh, now that obviously meant that we've had issues in terms of rotation and, uh, injury, uh, problems as well, which have popped up in, uh, the last few games as well for Villa. So. Uh, the first game, obviously, was the Norwich game. Villa won that 1-0, coming off the back of a bad defeat, or uh, I think I think a defeat which really was quite winding against Southampton, uh, against a relegation rival. Uh, a win over Norwich, which really did seem quite vital. That down to a uh, goal from Conor Hurahan, or Harahan, um, even, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but then... Obviously, we had the game against Watford straight after, which was uh, just as deflating. But I mean, let, let's start on Norwich. Let's start on Norwich. I think it wasn't the best of performances, but at the very least, it was nice to see Villa grind out a result. Oh, 100%. Uh, I think it's fair to say, Danny, that luck was well and truly on our side for this game. Uh, Norwich came at us, and I think we have to give them a lot of uh, respect and props as well. Uh, They came with a game plan, and although they didn't execute it to their likeness, um, we somehow came away with it. It, It's kind of surprising, to be honest, because we could have easily lost this like 3-0, 3-1. It's just the way things were going. And I think the main thing I want to start off with here is our main man in gold, Tom Heaton. The man cost us, what, 10 million pounds? And I kind of went on and on about him. He, He clearly saved the day. No, he did. He did. He was. He was probably the man of the match for that for that game. There was. There were many opportunities that uh, that, that Norwich had where they, could, you know, they really did have us at the ropes um, a couple of times. I think they had they had far more possession than us, and it seemed at times like you know they were constantly uh, getting opportunities, particularly in the first half. Um, I think that was the that was the scariest time really. Um, we, we again just didn't really seem to start off very well, and uh, Heaton had to save us you know, very often uh, in that game. I think he um, set, made five saves during the whole game as well, which is which is pretty, pretty strong. Oh, absolutely. And if we kind of go over those briefly, uh, the first uh, big opportunity came Norwich's way, obviously, uh, from across. Sam Byram heads it almost kind of clumsily off the ground and it goes off the bar. There's another instance where luck is on our side, I guess, the first one, of course. And then right after that, we didn't start the game the best, but there was a few uh, exchanges of chances there. The next one coming from Matty Target, he knocks it in from the left-hand side. Now Ghazi just swings that in, splices it past the right-hand side of the post. So you're looking at that, you're thinking some even chances here, but after that, it was really all Norwich, Danny. Like go- Going from that standpoint... How did you feel at that moment? Did you think we could get anything out of the game? No, I thought it was Groundhog Day again. Like, it again, I think we lined up in that game 
looking very similar to to how we had done um, in recent weeks. I think, as you say as well, there there was the uh, opportunity from El Ghazi, which was you know followed up by by Douglas Louise having to make a goal line clearance, and it just again it just seemed mm-hmm. as though Norwich were were going to grab something. It was a it was a here we go again kind of thing. But having said that, you know the defense were were fairly solid throughout. Uh, I think I think Courtney How Courtney Hawes has done a very good job um, stepping in and. Uh, and having to jump in there with with very little experience, um, but again, as you say, like Norwich, Norwich had too much of the ball, and they're they're not the kind of team that does that. And I think what what worried me was the fact that earlier on in the season we we thumped them five one. What's changed since then? Why are we now on the back foot against this side um, who we put five past the last time we met them? Uh, it, it just seemed again as though, yeah, I think. The, the, the one positive thing was Grealish going into the centre of the park. But other than that, it just didn't seem like things were going to change very often. Now Ghazi um, was having a very poor game as well at that point. Yeah, I think the thing that annoys me mainly about that, um, obviously McGinn was injured um, in the Southampton game, I believe. And uh, it was kind of a forced thing where Grealish ought clearly and obviously had to go back into the middle of the pitch. And it almost makes me wonder if McGinn wasn't injured, would that have happened? And it was something that had to happen either way. And kind of touching on your point about going into this Norwich game, we thrashed them when we went to Carroll Road. And if you look at things, things aren't go- haven't went well for them and things haven't been going well for us. And at that point, I think we were on a little bit of a shaky kind of upturn. It was very inconsistent, but we were still picking up a few points here and there and Norwich were clearly struggling and we capitalized at that point and this time and I think this is the biggest issue this season we're always playing on the back foot and it's almost like we want to go behind from behind and get something out of the game that way and especially in the Premier League you might be able to get away with that in the championship and some other leagues but in the Premier League nine times out of ten you're gonna get punished and I, I don't know if you factor that down to Dean Smith, if you factor that down to the mentality on the pitch, the leadership on the pitch. Uh, like, Danny, where is it in this squad that we have to hone in on that something has to change? Because we'll touch on the Watford game here shortly, but it, it's the same thing every single game. Even when we somehow surprisingly change formations against Watford, it's just things seem stale. And really, where do we hone in on this change? So I think, yeah, I think I want to, I think I'll get more into it when we talk about Watford, but I think the, well, I think, I think one of the, one of the main, I think there's two things you can put this down to. And the first thing is tactical stubbornness by, by Dean Smith. He believes in his system. It's not necessarily a bad thing that he, that he believes in the system. Um, and, and he wants it, he wants it to work. He wants it to come together. He, you know, he, he wants us to, you know, sort of like Barcelona made the four-three-three their identity. He wants this to be Villa's identity. He wants us to play in a particular way. But it almost seems as though he won't change anything. Um, he won't change anything if it means uh, going out of that. That's one thing. So teams can see how we set up and they can play to our weaknesses. Uh, and we don't seem to change that. I think the second thing is, well, are the players not, you know, are, are the other players not playing as well as they could be? At first, I thought perhaps it's just that they've been figured out. But there's been times in the last couple of games where players have been falling asleep and mm-hmm. just sort of looking as though they're lacking fight. Um, but yeah. again, more more on that one when we get into Watford. I think I think in the Norwich game, I think the only difference between that one and the Southampton game is that perhaps we were a little bit more focused defensively. I think Grealish coming through the centre meant that we had a couple more opportunities than we would have usually done. And I think the third thing, the main thing for Norwich really was the fact that they uh, haven't got an informed striker. Pookie hasn't really been scoring recently, um, whereas Southampton had with things. Yeah, that that's fair too. Uh, we won't really touch on the Southampton game much. We didn't uh, review it before uh, because of the holidays, but it's kind of passed. It, it wasn't a great result. But getting back onto the Norwich game here, it, it's another one where as soon as you hit the second half, you're thinking, okay, first half, not the greatest, a few chances back and forth, but Norwich clearly uh, with ball possession and mainly every other stat dominating. You go into the second half, you're thinking, okay, is this going to be typical Villa? Is this going to be a slow start, kind of 
a clumsy start almost. And it's kind of more of the same. We pick it up a little bit. And then really out of nowhere, you have Super Jackie Grealish doing a nice little one-two with, I think it was Target, uh, gets it right back. And then, of course, him feeding her a hand right in the middle of the uh, the goalkeeper box there. And he slices it home with that wand of a left foot, and it's 1-0. And personally, Danny, I'm thinking, how the heck are we 1-0 up? We really don't deserve this. What were your thoughts on the goal? You see, at this point, and this is this is where Villa you know, need to, need to improve, really. At this point, Villa have four men in the penalty area. In fact, no, they have they have about six men in the penalty area <laughs> if yeah. you want to include <laughs> Harahan who's outside the box. It means that Norwich have to work defensively. It means that Norwich have to work, force them to work. You know, give give the other team something to worry about. That's why we end up scoring. You know, you take that in comparison to the way that we've been trying to score goals recently, where it's let's, you know, overwork the wingers and and hope that you know, we, we we managed to find a way through. You know, with, with Wesley, with Wesley having to work to to get deeper and, and 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 draw out defenders. This is what we should have been doing to start with. You see, Target get forward. You see, uh, Haurahan get forward. Villa are on the ascendancy at this point, and that's why they managed to get the goal. And that's how we should be playing at home. However, for many moments throughout that game, it seemed as though we were penned back, um, and, and you can't be doing that at home. So, good finish from Haurahan. Uh, and I think it was just a demonstration of what Villa can do. Oh, absolutely. And then from there, of course, we're holding on for dear life. And uh, I think any Villa fan knows, and even any generalist fan would know that uh, when Villa sit back, typically bad things happen. If you want to look at the Liverpool game in particular, there's a perfect example of uh, why sitting back isn't always the best thing. And parking that bus uh, sometimes is actually in reverse. And it uh, doesn't ha- help to uh, really make any sense but with that being said we're holding on for dear life we're getting to the end of this game and another instance and I think this is a main theme for this one how many set pieces there were in this game crosses in the box uh, just general movements of play in the box and I think uh, when I'm looking at this Danny it's another instance of how poor our man marking is in set pieces what are your thoughts on that Mm. I think again this just shows We've got inexperience in defense. Yeah, Mings came in. He was our big signing. He was the guy that was going to, um, who was going to sort that out. But Hawes and Konza, who obviously are defending in the Norwich game, they're not experienced in the Premier League. They're not at all. Uh, and I think that's, you know, part of the part of the issue. I think secondly, just in general, when you're inviting that kind of pressure, um, you're going to end up conceding. Norwich had eight corners. Or something like that throughout the game. I don't think it's necessary that we're bad at that we're bad at defending set pieces. I think it's just again it's an issue of inviting so much pressure that eventually you break. Uh, that's probably what I have to say about that. But in the Norwich game, thanks to Tom Heaton, thankfully we yeah thankfully we managed to keep that clean sheet. And he he's my man of the match by far. Oh, hundred uh, percent. When I when I look at that, like uh, the last chance of the game that was uh, really uh, worthy of pointing out was, I think it was Ono Hernandez for Norwich, of course, right in the box. I had loads of time to hit it, and it's literally a perfect save by Heat, and that keeps us in it. And I said this earlier. Uh, a lot of people in the summer questioned the signing of Tom Heaton and thinking, okay, we should get him for next to nothing. Uh, a lot of people thought $10 million was too much. Um, I have to admit, I was one of them for a little bit. But when you look at that as well, he literally saved us points in this match, and that's why he was bought. He's a leader on and off mm. the pitch, clearly. His teammates respect him. Uh, honestly, he's been our best keeper for I, I honestly don't know how long probably I'd say he's better than Guzan by a country mile yeah absolutely and I think let's just hope he, we, we keep him on for at least like five or six so we can see him here long term hopefully um, I think he definitely suits that argument that people are making that Villa should have concentrated on getting more Premier League experience I'm not saying I agree with that in terms of um, in terms of the players we've signed but he definitely fits that mould and suits that argument as well um, but yeah, that's 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 probably what I'd say. Uh, should we do match balls for for Norwich, Cole? Yeah, let's get on to it. What's your match ball, Danny? I think it's pretty obvious for me, man. It's it's obvious, isn't it? It's it's Tommy Eaton. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to checkmate you there. 
Well, that's okay there. I'm going with Tom Heaton as well. It's a, it's definitely a fair assessment. And like I said before, he kept us in this. If not, it could have been one point. And you know what? Without him, it could have been zero, really. He's the man that kept us in. Um, there, there's really nothing more to say about that. I thought Grealish had a, a pretty good game and, of course, sets up the game winner. And, of course, you could give it to her hand as well for, for that match winner. But I think it all stems down to uh, Tom Heaton in that one. I think you can also give it to Courtney Hawes, by the way. I thought he did incredibly by coming in to that game and 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 playing the way that he did. I think it was a lot to ask of him to uh, to come in against Norwich and you know play play as well as he did. Uh, I, I think, and I know he had a poor game against Southampton, but he he, he definitely looked like a leader at the back uh, during the Norwich game. I, I, I even even with recent performances looking poor uh, from Villa all round, he's definitely a bright spark. I can I can see him kicking on. Oh, hundred percent. He's our Haas in the middle of defense. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, that was cringy. I really wish I yeah, didn't do that, that but whatever. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on to the Watford game here because uh, I think the theme of this episode is going to be uh, um, a tale of uh, two um, really different performances because you go into the Watford game with a little bit more confidence, um, thinking, okay, you know what? We get a win here. We're going to be probably out of the relegation zone and to be honest change in formation uh things really didn't change it looked way too negative in my opinion and you know what just from the get-go it just didn't look like we were really ever in it Danny okay so the the changes made were uh Lansbury and Hotter coming in for uh, Trezeguet and El Ghazi which Clearly kind of showed an unconfidence from Dean Smith in his wingers, but also, you know, I, at first I was thinking, okay, this is a good opportunity for, for Henry Lansbury and also for, also for Hotter, who has linked up with Wesley well in the past. But I think soon it was pretty evident that it probably wasn't a good idea having, uh, Lansbury and, um, Haurahan going up against Decore and Capoue. <laughs> probably yeah. should have had another defensive midfielder in there with, with Nakamba. But Grealish out on the wing again. Uh, it's almost as though, you know, you take two steps forward, one step back here. It worked against Norwich to some degree. Why are we moving back out wide? I think, yeah, I think a lot of fans are getting frustrated now in in the fact that there doesn't seem to be a backup plan. It is this this or nothing, basically. Yep. Now, you know, you're, you're away from home against Watford. I understand. I understand playing in this formation. But I think for me, uh, again, I think a few questions raised over why Gilbert's not playing over El Mohamedi, who has been good in fairness. But, you know, when, when you're leaking goals in the back, you know, you, you, you want to try and get a bit more solidity in there. You also look at, uh, you also look at the fact that we're just, again, just pressed back totally against Norwich, uh, I get, sorry, against Watford. And you wonder whether, Dean Smith knew what to expect against him. Like, are we studying our opponents? Do we, do we know what they do? Like, Watford are a high pressing team. Was Lansbury really the player who was cut out for the fight in that game? And and I mean, I, I single him out there, um, not because he played badly, but because of the the fact that he's barely played any games for us. Um, meanwhile, you know, you've got Kodjo who's on the bench who really could have you know added to our goal scoring efforts again and he's the main guy that fans keep going back to uh when talking about potential changes yeah it, it it's a it's a really weird one because just right from the get-go there's a lot of issues um i i can't remember the exact players from watford that were involved but there's at least two to three instances within the first 10 minutes where there's mad scrambles in the villa box we were struggling to clear it and to be fair villa had their fair um, amount of opportunities as well the, the main one coming of course from wesley's header that uh, ben foster made a great save and you have to give him that but if you look at that in particular that was villa's chance to capitalize and that was really our only true chance of the game to get ahead to set our pace and to kind of set the tone. And um, I wouldn't put that on Wesley because he took his chance and it just didn't happen. Uh, you you have to put it almost on the midfield because besides with McGinn being out, and I think that proves it, we're so light in the middle. And uh, I forgot to touch it on the Norwich game, but uh, when you look at Nakamba and you look at Louise, you, you kind of think we don't really have a true holding midfielder. I think, I think Nakamba does that. 
I think Nakamba does that well, which is which is why I was so confused that he wasn't picked for this game in particular against Dakure and Kuyat. Uh, sorry, Dakure and Kapue. I don't know. Like the thing with Nakamba, I do see him almost like in that Conte role, who just kind of runs all over the pitch and takes the ball away and distributes it. And I do see him in that role, but obviously he's not as good as Conte. I think we can all admit that. But I just think we're still missing that physical presence in the midfield because it just feels so lightweight and actually i want to bring this up right now where does douglas louise fit into this team i don't know because i don't know if he's playing to his full potential like it we've seen him play well at times right when he's when when he's come on uh, as the defensive mid or if he's come on you know in the same role as say mcginn or haurahan but like for that watford game he disappeared a lot of the time and I didn't even realize he was on the pitch for a lot of that game. You wonder whether he should, whether he wants to be combating or whether he wants to be, you know, want, whether he wants to have that ball at his feet. And it seems to me like Villa have a lot of a similar type of player who only seem to be comfortable when they've got the ball. Mm-hmm. Now that's an issue when we're not linking up well, and that's an issue when your striker and your wingers are so far away from your midfield. And it's also an issue when you're sitting deep. Yeah, and I think true. you know when when there's pressure applied to them, when there's a pressure when there's sorry when there's pressure applied to them, uh, they're, they're they're brittle and they're going to break. And I think that's the thing with Louise. He's never been on a team, I don't think, which has been under constant pressure like that. You know, he's he's yeah. been at Man City. He's he's been playing for Brazil. Yeah, I mean, I, I maybe maybe it's like that in Spain, but it's a very very different type of football there. You don't see so much of the high pressure press even oh 100 i think he's a very tidy player and obviously uh his time at girona and la liga there was a lot of praise for him there i just don't know if he's up to the physicality um if there's a lot of questions on him we'll get into his error in a little bit because i do want to get on to the first watford goal here uh it comes via troy dini and that comes via a Konza error he fails to clear it after having so much time to do so um I believe it was Decore with the shot Tom Heaton makes a great save and then Troy Dini has a simple opportunity to tap it in he j- just does that simply and I feel a little hard or a little a bit of uh I don't know uh, sadness I guess for Tom Heaton in that sense because he was so close to making that next second save and that would have been one hell of a save to keep that at nil nil um you can't blame it on him there he's left out to dry it's a it's a frustrating one Danny what were your thoughts on that this this again this again is the thing that makes me jealous of other teams around us to some degree right is that um I know that sounds a bit wrong but what do really want that ball back they really want to score. Like, Dini is absolutely storming at Konza at this point. And at the same time, you know, they've got, they've got two other players around the defenders there surrounding them. You know, they've got, they've got a high press going on. It's, no, listen, we're not going to get penned back. You're not going to lift this ball over us. We're winning this back and we're going to score against you. And I think that's the thing here where Konza's kind of expecting himself to have a little bit more time. Um, but again, if we'd if we'd just done a little bit of research on Watford, we'd know that this is what they do. And instead of opting for the pass to El Mohamedi, he tries to get rid of it. And yeah, as you say, look, it's it's simple at that point. It's a two on one and Watford is it, basically. Yeah, and I feel like from that point on, the game just wasn't, it never really was in our favor, but it, just from there, at, at, at the heads dropped, nothing was going right. Confidence was absolutely shot. And you get that with teams in this position right now, but I, you, you never really see it this early unless they're like uh, Derby County that one year where they had like literally barely any points, like, and they were just absolutely terrible and got relegated. That's, or even the last time we got relegated where it was literally November and the heads were down. It's just, it, it's so reminiscent of that, not as toxic, but it's just so reminiscent yeah. of that mindset. And you look at it going in the second half, you're thinking, okay, let's get this back. I guess we like playing from behind, so we'll see what happens. And a lot of people went for a 1-1 uh, result in, in terms of prediction for this. So that's fair enough. And you could kind of see that at that point as well. 
But then the second goal happens. And I, before that, I should mention the red card by Mariapa, of course. He absolutely takes out Lansbury. It's fair enough to be a second yellow. He goes off. Can I just say, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. The number of Villa fans on Twitter who at that point are like, <laughs> game over. <laughs> We're oh, not I winning know. this. It's not hilarious. It's it is funny in a way, but we're we're up a man and we can't capitalize on it. And this is a, it, it's a story of the season. You look at the West Ham game. Um, there's a few other results as well, well in there. I can't think of them on the top of my head, but it's so strange that we should be on the front foot and we're literally playing on the back foot because tactically it's naive. We're pressing so high up they can just pick us out. And you look at the second goal that comes shortly after that red card. Uh, it's just a simple ball over the top. Troy Deeney's trying to hold it up at the edge of the box, waiting for players to help for support. And Douglas Louise, I don't know what he's doing. It's just so unnecessary, so unneeded. Uh, it can be pent up frustration, Danny, but in my opinion, it, it it's so poor. What did you think about it? That, that to me was, I think just really insulting. Um, as a fan, I thought that, you know, we, we're going through such a hard time here, you know, at the club, uh, you know, watching, watching Villa play like this. And you kind of expect Douglas Louise to, you know, use some sense because he's, it's not just the one defensive error made, he's made here. He's made two. He's so focused on Matty Target being on the ground. This isn't, you know, this isn't the championship, right? This is, you know, if if there's a problem, VAR will will probably sort it out, right? But otherwise, Watford have every right to keep playing. They're not putting it out. You know, they're a man down. They need a goal, right? So Douglas Louise is too busy watching Target on the floor, just watches Deeney breeze past him. By the time he realizes it's too late, you know, he he's he, he's he, he runs back there and brings him down in the area. And there's no need. There's no need. Uh, just just hang in there, hope that the opportunity passes him by. Uh, but instead, you know, this is, we, we just hand the game over to Watford, um, having not pressured them at all ever since they were down to 10 men. Um, and it's just worrying. It's just worrying that, um, again, we end up having to wait for us to actually switch on. And it's not until we go 3-0 down until, um, you know, things actually start looking more positive. Yeah, I think the best thing about that whole uh, target controversy, where whether or not they should have kicked it out, you know what, I think Nigel Pearson honestly said it best. Uh, Villa had the chance to knock it out, and they didn't, and they played on themselves. And why wouldn't Watford continue on the play with that instance happening? It, it's, I, I think fans especially, and uh, Dean Smith, I think I can kind of catch him out on that as well, to be that upset about it, you, you kind of know you have to play to the whistle. You get taught to play uh, to the whistle when you're like five years old. It, it's just the nature of being like, it's just the nature of play. Um, it, it's, I just don't understand that kind of mindset of blaming small things. That's what frustrates me. It's just, it's just a victim complex. It's just yeah. a victim complex. It's just where poor old Villa, the referee screwed us over. Um, you know, we, we, we would have won if it wasn't for him. You know, I'm no, I'm sorry, but you're you're a man up. Play like it, um, and and the, the the whole reason that we lost this match, the entire reason was that Watford wanted it more. Yeah, they 100%. ran more, they ran harder, they 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 were they wanted to make sure they had the ball, um, and they wouldn't settle for anything less than it. Whereas we saw a lot of players, I'm sorry, not up for the fight, 100%. sauntering around the pitch, you know not pulling their weight because um i mean you you've got you've got two you've got two arguments here either you say the villa players did prove their weight in which uh, sorry did pull their weight in which case um i'm sorry but if you're losing to a team who's bottom of the table um 3-0 at that point whilst you know they 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 they've got a man in hand uh, whilst you've got a man in hand even then you're you're saying that villa aren't good enough for the premier league and um, in that case, we get relegated. Fine, that's that's how you feel about um, Villa, or you believe that you know they they didn't play to a hundred percent of their ability. And I think I'm part of the latter club here because I've seen this team do well. I've seen us play well. I've seen us dominate teams and 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 and, and play around with the ball and um, you know show energy. This is nothing like the performances we saw um, earlier in the season. 
Hundred percent, and I'll just mention that, of course, the third Watt for goal was. Uh, if you're a FIFA fan, it's basically a sweaty goal. Uh, Etienne Capoue just kind of knocks it across the box, and uh, Ismail Sar just he knocks it in. It's three nil. Two goals conceded when you're down to ten men. I think that's the most frustrating thing there. Uh, but to kind of get on to your point, Danny, with what you're saying, I think good teams make their own luck. And things do go your way when uh, when you're performing well. It's just a, it's a thing that happens. It's been proven in the past for Villa. It's been proven in the past for other teams. And we're not making our own luck. We're, hell, we're not even making opportunities to get forward and be progressive. And uh, that's what I'm not blaming this on Dean Smith in the sense that that's what he was brought in and what was expected that this attacking style I just think it's kind of a culture shock for him in particular. I I think he's been found out extremely easily. And I think finally, I'm hoping he's starting to realize that he's been found out himself. And I think my biggest fear with that, and I'm not saying Dean Smith out. I think all that stuff is just a pile of absolute rubbish um, and just shouldn't even be discussed. But he needs to change though. But he needs, yes. but he needs to change. Yeah. But... But what what changes like it's a personnel thing, too. I think we brought so many players in and a lot of people easily compared us to Fulham. Uh, we touched on that in the summer podcast and the building up to the season. And it's it's an easy cop out. And you know what? We're so much different than Fulham. We had to buy players. We lost so many players that out of contract. They were old. That kind of gets us out of that in that sense. My only issue with the players we brought in is that I almost feel like we didn't bring the right players in for the system. It was more, we were looking for the profile of young, talented players, and I hate to say it, with a better resale value. Now, that's a good outlet for a club like Villa, but at the same time, I almost wonder if we would have went a few different ways and would have went with a few more Dean Smith signings, where we'd be now, because there's a few linked, it's easy to link with Brentford players, because of course that's where he came from. But I almost wonder if we would have went more his direction where we'd be right now, because I think honestly we'd be a bit more competitive. Yeah, if we had a Mal- if we if we signed your your Malpies and and whatnot, um, I I do hear that argument, but also, you know, I think I think hopefully we we learn from that in January, and I, and I hope we do bring in some some better players. But I, I don't I don't think that talent's an issue with with any of these guys at all. Uh, I just think again, you know, you're you're trying to put too much together. You're really trying hard to put too much together and get this team playing, and it, it took it took Dean Smith a while with the mishmash of players that we had last season, right? Um, and I, I'm not surprised that it would be taking him a while now, but things aren't improving; they're getting worse. Um, which that's that's my that's my problem here, because we're we're not playing any better. Than, than we were earlier in the season. If we continued playing like we had at the start of the season, we'd be getting results. Or if we'd made better choices, like, uh, you know, consolidating games when, you know, teams are down to um, 10, uh, teams are down to 10 men, making better substitution choices. What we're seeing right now, in my opinion, is a total loss of morale and players not pulling their weight because of it. Um, and and that that all comes down to mentality. I think they believe they're weak, so they're playing as though they're weak. Uh, and what they need is a shot of confidence. With that being said, um, I know Burnley's coming up, but that cup game against Fulham next weekend needs to be one of those games where Villa, you know, score a bunch of goals and uh, get back on the front foot again because this team is just lacking belief and that's I think that's the key thing here that coupled with Dean Smith needing to learn from his errors 100% we'll move on to the previews here in a moment Danny but before we do that I would like your match ball please oh god I mean this is this is difficult because <laughs> I think there were a lot of poor performances all around um yeah this is tough this is tough um I'm going to give my match ball to Jack Grealish because he seemed like the only guy that cared on the pitch. I mean, him and Tom Heaton, horse yeah. to some degree as well, but I'm going to go with Jack Grealish. Yeah, it has to be him. Um, I do think that he could have, you know, eased his frustration a little bit. Maybe if he had a bit of a cooler head on him, Villa wouldn't have, you know, 
fallen apart in the last 20 minutes, but I don't want to put that on him. Uh, we need personalities like that about. So yeah, Jack Grealish for me. 100%. He carries a hell of a lot, and I love to see that. And I don't understand the whole aspect of people uh, disliking or going at him when he shows that passion because that's what everyone wants. But um, getting into my match ball here, I'm going to have to, once again, I think maybe this is the first time in Holtcast history, uh, I'm going to, for a double, I'm going to give it to Tom Heaton just because, you know what? He did make a number of great saves again. Uh, although it's a 3 0 loss, he did keep us in in certain instances. Well, now we're going to get to the preview portion of this. We'll stop rambling on in typical Holt cast fashion. Um, get on to the Burnley game, of course. We traveled the turf more on New York's New Year's Day. It's going to be a tough one, of course. Burnley are a physical strong side. It's not going to be easy. Uh, Danny, what's your take on this match? How do you feel about it? How should Villa come at this? Uh, give me all the down low. Okay, so this will be... Uh, third Premier League game, I think, in the space of about seven days, six days even. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's one or the other. But uh, yeah, I think I think you know you look at you look at the kind of games that we've had, like very physical game against Watford, heading into a really physical game against Burnley. We all know Burnley's reputation. Um, they are on a side that score a lot of goals. I think that's that's one thing to say, and. Uh, they haven't been in great form. I think they, they lost to Manchester United and they lost to Everton in their last couple of games. So coming off the back of two defeats, um, albeit against decent sides, uh, it's a team as well, which, you know, do concede goals if, you know, if if punished, I'd say. You know, they, they are generally quite solid, but they have, they have shown at times that, you know, they can fall to pieces. Um, my only issue here is, that if Villa, you know, don't play in the right way, if Villa play like they did against Watford um, and let Burnley have too much of the ball, then there could be serious issues. Oh, I totally agree with that. I, I think when you look at this, and I think there's a theme we haven't mentioned throughout this episode especially, is how much we missed Tyrone Mings. Um, I don't know his injury status as of yet. I hope he's back for this one because he's left a gaping hole. Um, I, I think when I look at Burnley, the biggest issue... Uh, from a Villa tactical standpoint, is their strikers. You you look at uh, Woods and Barnes, they're very physical strikers. They like to get in your face, and they're not afraid to knock you around. Uh, and with how fragile we are, especially from set pieces right now, uh, especially from counterattacks and just generally poor defending overall currently, um, on a whole team basis, not just defensively, I think players like that are really going to cause us some problems. So, you almost hope they don't. Dean Smith doesn't put out a Nakamba Douglas Louise combination because Danny, I don't think that combination really? would work in a game like this. I mean, the, we yeah, we, I don't. we played we played Howrahan Louise and um, Lansbury the other day, and that didn't work at all. Like, don't we don't we need the solidity of Nakamba back in there? I think you put Nakamba in there with uh, Grealish back in the middle, and I would probably say Hurahan, to be honest. I think Hurahan plays best when Grealish is in the middle, and I think Grealish plays best, honestly, when he's around Hurahan. Those two, I don't know what it is about them, in my opinion. They just link up brilliantly, and I think that's the midfield I would go with. Um, you might feel a little bit differently. Um, it, it, it's kind of a toss up in the middle because no matter what we're putting out there right now, especially in the midfield, the product just isn't there. Um, and I think with that being said, if we're going to stick to a four, three, three, this is a game where we have to play our natural out and out wingers, no matter what form they're on. It's just, it's another one of those things where I, I think I've said this week in week out for the last, I don't know how many weeks we just need to start playing to our strengths and not putting, uh, square blocks in circular areas it's just it's not going to work it, it never will and it never has um it's good for a game here or there but it, it's just it, it, there's no continuity in it and with our most influential player being out on out wide on the left hand side it limits someone like Grealis's potential to really impact on a game and I think with that being said the pressure does fall on him every game to get us out of these ruts and it just doesn't work when he's out wide. Yeah, that's true. And I think, you know, this might be, this might be a good opportunity for Villa to try something different as well. You know, I think um, we want, we want Grealish, you know, through the middle really. Um, and I think if we come at Burnley and we, and we do look to attack them, then I think Villa will score goals. I think, I think the the thing 
with Burnley is that you know they they are a team who are seriously lacking in attacking confidence right now. I think you look at the kind of strikers they have though, and they're the exact they're exactly the type that can cause trouble and <laughs> that can cause um, your defense problems if they if they're put under too much pressure. If you let Barnes run at you all game, if you let Wood Wood or Rodriguez run at you all game, then then you might well concede. So what Villa need to do is keep the ball and, and be the team in possession. We should be. There's no reason why we shouldn't be against Burnley. You know, especially when you look at the type of football that we that we look to play or tried to play in the championship or have done earlier on in the season. Uh, you know, Burnley have only scored three in their last five games. So why play like we're afraid that they're going to score? Go out there and grab a couple of goals. I think that's that's the way to do it. So Grealish through the middle, uh, get him linking up with Wesley, possibly Codger. Um, I think. I kind of I would be tempted to stick with Wesley at the moment, um, but yeah, I think I think Villa need to do something every ever so different. That's fair enough. I just hope we don't go out there and uh, just sit back and try to absorb pressure because I think that's been proven for the last few weeks it doesn't work. But Danny, it's come that time again. What is your score prediction for the match against Burnley? It's just hard, isn't it? Because if I'm honest, <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Burnley 1-0. I'm going to go with Burnley nicking this 1-0. I have no reason to believe that um, the team's going to play any better than they have done. Um, the only thing that, the only saving grace, I think, is that, as I say, Burnley haven't been scoring goals as of late. But after that diabolical sort of collapse against Watford, especially in the last 20 minutes, I just see this team being shattered mentally. Um, unfortunately, that's just, my inkling when it comes to these predictions, I try to kind of be as realistic as possible. Um, I'm going to go with Burnley nicking this one nil. What about you? Uh, that's fair enough. Honestly, there's two different mindsets. I look at this. I think it's either nil nil or one, one um, either way. I think we're going to come out of the block pretty slow again. It's just, I think we're so scared to go forward because we're going to be hit on the counter. Burnley aren't one of those team that, has are really full of pace so they're not going to hit you heavily on the counter as well um so it, it's going to be a tricky one i think of course with them not scoring many goals there's not going to be many goals in this if you're a better i would not put over 2.5 goals in this game because i cannot see three goals going in um you know what just to be realistic and a little boring i think both teams could use a point here so i'm going to say nil nil yeah i mean yeah i mean that was that's potentially what can happen although i do see Vida scoring um, potentially, um, I'm 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 not putting that in my official prediction, but there there is there is there is a chance that, that that Villa will grab a goal here. I think that all depends on the hunger uh, from the players. It depends on how they're going to respond, because I know on the pitch during the game Villa aren't very good at mustering up a response. But you know maybe maybe with with a few days in training, maybe with a few days to rule the mistakes, maybe they react. Um, that's that's what we've got to hope for anyway. Yeah, hope, hope is one thing uh, that I think some of us are starting to run out of at this point of the season, especially. Uh, we'll touch on one more game here for the next couple minutes and just kind of go over it quickly because uh, the games, like I said before, come thick and fast. So next Saturday, of course, January 4th, we travel to Craven Cottage in the third round of the FA Cup to face Fulham. Of course, our history with Fulham, uh, of course, I think the last time we played them, it wasn't too great, of course. It was the Wembley Cup final, and of course, we all know how that went. Um, of course, they went down, we went back up, so karma kind of went back at them that way. But we go up against a Fulham team that are very inconsistent this year. Um, of course, still battling for promotion, but they do have a striker we've been heavily linked to so far. Um, I say, I would say lazily um, coming up to this transfer window, and that being uh, Mitrovic. The man is on absolute fire in the championship, probably too good for that league. You'd have to say, Danny, how do you feel about this game and where do you see it going? I think Fulham probably have a, uh, I think, I think they, uh, they probably have a bit of a feather in their hat and their cap, don't they? You know, they'll be, they'll be right up for this game. They're performing well in the championship at the moment. Uh, they are third in the championship, by the way. And you know, they, they've been, they've been banging in goals this season. I think they've scored, um, they've scored forty or so in 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 in, um, in, in their twenty five games, thirty nine even. Um, and and as you say, Mitrovic has been dangerous. This is a game as well, which you probably can't see Villa starting their full first eleven. I can't see Dean Smith doing that because uh, January is going to be a heavy, heavy month. There's seven games in January. 
if Villa beat Fulham, there'll be another FA Cup fixture in that as well. Uh, now, consider that we've just played Norwich uh, three days ago. Um, I, w- I was speaking on a Sunday. Played Watford on the 28th. Burnley midweek. Fulham just three days after that. You've got barely... There's barely any time for rest in these games. So, Villa probably... Villa probably send out, you know, a second... Not a second eleven, but they probably send out um, a few other players in there. It's a game where Fulham could spring up on Villa. Alternatively, having said that, Dean Smith might look at this as the game to get Wesley's confidence going and get some of the other players' confidences going. Uh, so... I think it all depends on how Smith views this. I'll ask you this, Cole. With the League Cup so, you know, so in reach right now, do Villa have to prioritise here and not risk further injury to to, to, to the main players and perhaps rest a lot? Do you give Jack Grealish a break? Ah, that's tough. Any manager is going to tell the press essentially that uh, every game's important there they would never just kind of prioritize and bin a game off per se um i think this is a game that you give jack gillis the rest he needs it's been a heavy uh, couple of weeks and it's not going to get any easier you need to rest your key players and to be honest i think this is a game that honestly it's going to be interesting just based on the perspective that both teams um have kind of crucial uh, games coming up here Fulham are still battling for promotion they might not deem this as really a priority and Villa of course we we of course have the league cup that's that's huge for us right now and that's a big priority and then you of course have the survival in the Premier League that's another major thing as well so I think for this game you're gonna see massive changes I would say on the Villa side for sure a uh, few on the Fulham side, they might take it a little bit more serious, but I would also like to see this game be a little bit more adventurous. Maybe have Dean Smith try something new because it's really just a free hit. And, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I don't think it really does anything um, to the psyche of the players because it would just be nice to see something different. I know we probably won't, but it would just be great to see some progression in that sense, a little bit of more variety, Danny. I think what, we have to try and find a consensus on here. I think as fans is something has to change within the next seven days. I mean, within those, well, in the next five games days, even, you know, I think whether that is uh, an inkling of, of a signing, you know, whether it, whether it is, um, you know, some hope that, that Villa are going to bring in new faces, whether it's that or whether Dean Smith says, Look, this isn't working. Let's try something different. Something has to change within the next, you know, couple of games because he is going to be under some serious pressure at this point. I don't really want to get into a debate about Smith in, Smith out because I don't believe there's a debate to be had just yet. Um, but I think you look at the next couple of games. If Villa struggle in those uh, struggle um, even and uh, don't, you know, show any sort of intent in January. Then yeah, it could be, um, it, it could be tragic. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. We'll uh, we'll wrap this podcast up right now, Danny. With uh, we'll do your score prediction for the Fulham game. Just because we're inconsistent, I'm going to go with a three 0 win. Also because I want revenge over them. It, it, it's tough. It's it's really tough in my opinion. Um, if I just feel like this is such an unimportant game in my opinion. Um, I'm going to go 2 nil Villa. I just think, no, yeah, it's it's tough. I'll go 2 nil Villa. We'll keep it there. Um, I don't know where to prioritize this. It's just really a toss-up because you look at uh, games last year when we're in the championship and you look at cup games as a way to progress and to kind of get the Villa brand out there again and show how we're progressing and you want to face different sides and there's more excitement around that. But now you look at it and you're thinking, well, this is just a cup game. I honestly couldn't be bothered. I have more important things to focus on. And uh, it's just one of those games. It's almost hard to get excited for because you're so worried about where you are in the league. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that that is definitely an issue. That is definitely an issue. But having said that, you know, you can only live in the moment. <laughs> you can only live in the moment. Um, well, the, the the fact of the matter is that, yeah, we're in a relegation battle. We're not relegated yet. So we might as well enjoy the cup run whilst we're at it. Uh, let's hope that the League Cup goes well, obviously. But let's, you know, let, let, let's get a result against Fulham and let's see if that, 
you know, if we can put if we can put three or four past them, then it might it might change things. Uh, there's there's going to be a lot of players there who might well be worried for their future at Villa. January is a big um, a big time of year. Um, I think with that said, Cole, I want to know just before you know we we finish off the podcast. What's your what's your uh, wish list for for January? Um, realistically, realistically, oh gosh. Um... You'd have to say another striker. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, midfielder with McGinn's injury, I think. You, n- nonetheless, we need another central midfielder, just someone who can sit in there and really absorb pressure. Uh, I think that'd be another one. And um, obviously a winger. I think those are three areas that were massively needed. Um, very inconsistent on the on kind of the wing standpoint. To be honest, we only, only have like, two true out and out wingers. So your rotation there is already lacking when you're putting someone like uh, Jota up there. Cause I don't really think he's a natural winger, to be honest, he doesn't have the pace for it. And we see what happens with Grealish. It just, it works for a few games. And then from there on, he just gets isolated and it doesn't work. Uh, Danny, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's pretty fair. I think the thing that you have to remember about the premier league though, is that you need real quality for it to work. You can't just bring in anybody and hope it works. I mean, look at West Ham with Sebastian Haller, who's barely scoring for them. You know, despite the fact he's he's a fantastic player by by you know by right kind of thing. Um, you've you've got to you've got to get the right guys in. We can't rush it. We can't um, we can't just snap at somebody just because it seems like um, just because it seems like something needs to change. Uh, we we need to we need to make good high quality signings in January. I'm not sure who's available. I'm not sure whether the money is there to do that. But you know, this is why we have a director of football. This is why we have people there to uh, to make these decisions for us. Hundred percent. We'll keep the, our faith in them for sure. Hopefully, uh, Christian Perslow has a few tricks up his sleeve, and you never know. Hopefully, we can bring in a couple uh, players that make an impact because really, that's what the January transfer window is all about: trying to get those players in that can make that impact. But, anyways, we'll wrap this Holtcast up there. Thank you very much to Danny Raza for joining us. Of course, you can find him on Twitter at Raza Journal. You can find me, Cole Pedham on Twitter at talk Aston Villa. Of course, all together we make up the 7,500 to Holt Holtcast. Find us at www.7500toholt.com. I probably put too many W's in there. I always do. But anyways, nonetheless, guys, up the villa.